This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 415, and today we are talking about books being released on May 23rd, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Jen, hello! Hello! I'm back. How are you? I'm good! My roses are all blooming, which makes me so <gasps> That's happy. nice. Yeah, it's really nice. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's very lovely here, but it's also very cold. It was like 30 degrees last night. Yes. It got chilly here, too. After being 80 the day before. I know. <laughs> Thanks, climate change. Seriously. Mm-hmm. What is going on? <laughs> but that's all right. I always talk about the weather when everyone knows that I don't care because I don't go outside. <laughs> I just stay inside and read. So like, like, what is she complaining about? Who cares? Uh, Who cares? Uh, I also don't know what day it is because we're recording the May 23rd episode after I recorded an episode of The Stacks uh, as a guest yesterday where I talked about books coming out in June. Oh. And the day before that, I recorded the May 30th <laughs> episode with Kelly. Time warp. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I went to pull some books to do a photo for like the May 20, May 16th releases the other day. Mm. And I started pulling like all these different, and I was like, these are all from different dates. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Time is meaningless anyway. So, yeah. you know, you're fine. I thought it was a flat circle, but maybe well, it's just a meaningless A flat meaningless circle. flat circle. Yes. Yeah, like a pizza without sauce. It's a it's a nothing <laughs> pizza with left beef is what it is. <laughs> oh, so we are going to talk about books today. Before I do that, we're going to do a few things. First, I'm going to mention that the corresponding area code today is San Francisco, Greater Bay Area, or Greater San Francisco Bay Area, including the city and county of San Francisco, the majority of Marin County, and a small portion of San Mateo County. And it's overlay area code 628. So on episode 628, you're going to hear us mention this one again. Shout out to San Francisco. Hello, San Francisco. You can email us at allthebooks at bookriot.com and let us know about your area code. Um, We do record these in advance. So get on it now if you want to hear about it, (laughs) I guess is what I'm going to say. Indeed. Uh, Shall I tell the people about First Edition? Absolutely. Okay, so we have a new podcast. It is called First Edition. Our founder, co-founder, Jeff O'Neill, is doing all kinds of different things like interviews, rankings, retrospectives, hosts, guests, all of these things are happening. Um, Just people who know and love books. Surprise, it's Book Riot. That's what we do here. And there's some really good stuff over there. Um, Khaled Husseini was just on to talk about the 20th anniversary of The Kite Runner, which like, side note, talk about time being a flat circle. That's bananas. Seriously. And there's also a great reading stories segment on one of the episodes with our associate editor, Erica, who is on the Hey YA podcast. 
who tried to buy a new mom for a dollar when she was a kid. And it's a great story that does connect to books, believe it or not. And then, you know, Jeff and Rebecca do things like trying to determine the it book of any given month. It's a fun listen, a lot of variety. So you can subscribe to that on Spotify, Apple, I can say Apple, Apple Podcasts, (laughs) uh, your podcatcher of choice, whatever it is. Uh, Just look up first edition and it should be there. So I was looking at the notes and it says Erica tries to buy a new mom. And I was like, obviously, she didn't finish her thought because like, what is that about? But no, that's exactly what you meant that's to write. That's exactly what I meant to write. Yeah. Wow, a dollar. It's a good story. It's a good story. That's hilarious. It is really funny. It reminds me of, oh, oh, I'm not going to remember the name of that book, that Kekla Magoon book. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stick, Stick Malone. Sticks Malone. Yes. Where they try, they trade their baby sister for a bag of for fireworks. fireworks. Yes. <laughs> it is not dissimilar, actually. I love that book. Such a good book. Yeah. My brain, not so much with titles anymore. I'm like, I have to like think for a while. I'm like, what is that? What is mm-hmm. that? Well, you remember the author, which is halfway there. Yes, so. that is true. And together yeah. we shared a brain. That's and, right. And made it happen. <laughs> and uh, wow, the Kite Runner also. like We sold so many copies of that book at the bookstore. Yes. It's wild. Yeah. But I keep thinking, I keep, or I, sh- I should say, I keep coming up against all these books recently that I'm talking about, and they all have film adaptations, and mm-hmm. I haven't watched any of them. I was talking about Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Never watched it. Oh, I never watched that either. Uh, I was talking about We the Animals yesterday. Never watched it. Mm. I haven't watched The Kite Runner. I don't know. I guess I I don't know what I'm doing with my life. You're watching other things is what you're doing. Yeah. But now I'm going to talk about books after we hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into the light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Inez Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. So this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in the spirit world. It follows Anzu, who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. Never since her Albachan died, Oban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi, and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, 
this. Um, I'm super excited for this. So make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness by my K Nguyen. And thanks again to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so my first one is actually already cheating, maybe, possibly. <laughs> I wondered. It's a twofer because there are these two wonderful middle grade graphic novels that I read at the end of last year that I loved and I've been waiting to talk about them. And the first one I want to mention is Shakti by S.J. Sindhu and Nabi H. Ali. And it's about a middle grade girl named Shakti. Uh, she and her family have just moved to Western Mass. And now that I say that, like, I assume everyone knows that Mass means Massachusetts, but I live in New England, so I don't know mm. if everyone does know that. So she and her family have just moved to Western Massachusetts, uh, her and her two moms. And she's in a new school. She hates it. She doesn't have any friends. One of her moms is expecting, and it's all about, like, baby, 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 building furniture, doing all this stuff. She's 12, I believe. She wants to shave her legs because the hair on her legs has grown in. It's very dark, and her parents say no. And so she gets teased mercilessly at school. She just hates it. There's these three really, really mean girls in her school that she calls Heck, H-E-K, because that's the first letter of each of their names. So we're going to refer to them as Heck from now on. And so they're just awful. But not only are they awful, but, like, everyone seems to love them. They're the only ones who ever get called on in class. Even when when Shakti yells the answer, the teacher praises these three girls. And she's like, what is going on? When she's in gym class and she's trying to, like, participate but, like, not get involved, she bumps into one of the other girls and the gym teacher yells at her for almost hurting one of the girls. Like, oh, my goodness, what would have happened? And she's like, what is going on? So now, Shakti is Indian-American, and she's been told that she is related to the goddess Durja Ma, because Durja Ma blessed a villager who saved a tiger, and Shakti's family is descended from that villager. And so her parents actually tried to teach her a little magic when she was young, um, when she was very young, because they wanted to foster this interest in magic in her and her heritage, but uh, she started a fire in her crib and burned their house down. So they're like, <laughs> um, No. Not going to do that again. Wait till she's older. So, so, like, now she can't shave her legs, and she's still not allowed to do magic yet, so it's pretty much a bummer. But she makes these friends at school, finally, and one day they are out walking through the woods when they see Heck in the woods, and they're doing magic. And they discover, by listening to them, that they have put a spell on the town, and that is why everyone loves them. That is why the teachers give them straight A's and think that they know all the answers. So they go home and they tell one of Shakti's moms, and she teaches them a spell to ward off the evil eye and kind of keep their horribleness at bay and keep them from being able to control them like they control everyone else. But, like, there's a lot going on. There's a baby coming. She doesn't have time to teach her all this other stuff. And also, she doesn't think it's a good idea. Um, but then, Chakti and her friends find out they plan to enchant the town forever. Like, at this festival, they're going to put a spell over the town and they'll never be able to break it. Mm. So... There's a medical emergency. Her other mom goes into labor early, so her moms are not around. So Shakti, on her own, tries to summon Durja Ma. Instead, she gets Kali. Now, Durja Ma is the goddess of strength and protection. Kali is the other side of that coin. Wherever you have Durja Ma, you have Kali. Kali is death, destruction, and liberation. She basically appears at the end of the world or to end the world and start again fresh, like when someone summons her. And Shakti's like, sorry, sorry, wrong number. But Callie's like, nope, no way. Turns heck into beasts and goes about starting to destroy everything. And so now it's up to Shakti and her friends to stop them. 
It's a great story of friendship and heritage and strength. The illustrations are wonderful. Content warnings for bullying, racism, pregnancy scares, and scary situations for younger readers. The beastie people are kind of scary. That one is Shakti by S.J. Sindhu and Nabi H. Ali. And the other one I wanted to mention, which I realize I've been talking forever now, <laughs> is The Do-Over by Rodrigo Vargas and illustrated by Connie Yovaninez. This is another story of a middle grader who has to move schools and is miserable. Mariana's father has brought them to Columbus, Ohio from California. After Mariana's mother dies, he wants to work in a salon and be close to his family uh, where he grew up. Now, Mariana is is hating it. She has a lot of anxiety. She's grieving the loss of her mother, and she and her father are butting heads. She has no friends, but then she meets these two girls at school, Everly and Zoe. Zoe has created an all-organic hair dye in fabulous colors that washes out after three rinses. Everly can do amazing hairstyles and haircuts. After Everly and Zoe approach Mariana's father about selling the hair dye, Mariana becomes friends with them, but she won't let them cut her hair. Won't let them dye her hair. But they do decide even though they're 12, that they are going to open their own salon for the Harvest Festival that is coming up. And they turn her uncle's RV into a shop. Now, first, it's a big success. Everly uses Zoe's dyes and makes outrageous styles. She piles people's hair up and cuts it like an ice cream cone with sprinkles. Mm -hmm. She does, like, all these wild colors. And for a while, people are loving this. But then Everly does a hairstyle that upsets their customer, and she and Zoe get in a fight, Everly and Zoe. Zoe gets mad and storms off, and Everly storms off, and now they won't talk to each other. Mariana decides that she must face her anxiety and fear of conflict to bring them back together so they can reopen for the Harvest Festival. This is a cute, sweet story about friendship, anxiety, and grief. While I was reading it, I was like, you kids don't have a license to be doing this the whole time. I was like, you don't have a license. You have to go to school for that. Where's your license? But, you know, they do it anyway. You know, kids buy moms for a dollar and they open restaurants. Right. So <laughs> that one is The Do-Over by Rodrigo Vargas and Connie Yovaninez. And that's what I got for middle grade books. Lovely. Sounds delightful on both counts. I'm out of breath. Whew. Yeah, it was a lot. I get excited to talk about books. Do you? I never would have known. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my first pick is nonfiction. It's Brave the Wild River, the untold story of two women who mapped the botany of the Grand Canyon. It's by Melissa L. Sevigny. And this is like the kind of nonfiction that is my jam. It's a previously sort of untold like historical footnotes type story. I used to live in the Mountain West. I have been to the Grand Canyon, although not down to into it. That's a bucket list thing. And so I saw this in the catalog and I was like, oh, pick that's I'm going to read that. And it's a really amazing story. In 1938, these two female botanists, Elzada Clover and Lois Jodder, went on an expedition down the Colorado River and they were with some men who everybody was there for their own sort of reasons. Clover and Jodder are botanists like they are very sure that there are there's plant life in the Grand Canyon that nobody has yet cataloged, and they want to be the ones to do it. And then, you know, one of the men is like a zoologist, and so he wants to, like, you know, hunt and trap species because this is the 40s so, or the late 30s. So, like, everything is, like, about killing and, like, dissecting and all of that stuff. And then, you know, some of the other men are like, you know, adventurers or boatsmen or whatever. Like they're not there for the science. They're there for to do the thing because this is a very dangerous at that time 
endeavor. And I loved all the details. Like you find out like, you know, what they eat, what they packed, how they got the expedition together in the first place. There's all of this stuff about the coverage of this trip in the media that's like fascinating to read about. And, you know, there are uh, references to the diaries and journals of the expedition members. You're getting some firsthand accounts woven into the uh, story as Seveny, like, goes through all of these different sources to build this picture of what this expedition was like. And I thought the pacing was really solid. Like, I know it's nonfiction, but, like, you know, pacing is important. And I thought Seveny did a really great job of, like, giving... Like diving into the background information, but also keeping the actions moving so that you're never like getting too bogged down in one or the other. And I also super appreciated how Seveny acknowledges the erasure of the Native communities that would have known about all of these, like did know about all of these plants, but nobody listened to them. And certainly they were, you know, removed forcibly from their lands um, around the Grand Canyon, the communities that were there and no longer able to access them in a lot of cases. So I appreciated that Seveny is looking at like, you know, the untold story of female botanists at this time and also other marginalized communities, especially the Native communities that were in that area. So really stunning. It will absolutely, well, if you're like me, it will make you want to go down the Grand Canyon, but like now, not in 1938, because the equipment they had was not stellar. Um, now I, I know people who have done this, like you can do it. It's it's supposed to be life-changing, even though it's very safe now. And I just loved this. I love, I love a deep dive into a historical topic that I didn't know about, especially one that has such interesting setting. And there's like cool illustrations and photos and uh, I just loved it. Uh, so again, that's Brave the Wild River, the untold story of two women who mapped the botany of the Grand Canyon by Melissa L. Sevigny. Oh, right. Now for something completely different <laughs> that I'm probably going to talk about for another 10 minutes. <laughs> this was actually a hard release day for me. I read several things that just didn't work for me. And I had to, you know, save some for the newsletter. Although I probably could have filled all four of today's picks with middle grade comics. I mean, I would not have judged you. Yeah, like one of which you're going to hear about in the newsletter next week. But uh, I'm going to do something now that I don't do very often. And I'm going to recommend a book I haven't finished. Because I started this book when I woke up this morning. And I didn't want to put it down. Mm. But I had to because we needed to record this show. <laughs> it's called The Will of the Many by James Islington. It is 688 pages, and I read just over 200 this morning, so I read a little less than a third of it, so, you know, just bear with me. And also, there's a lot going on, so just know that as much as I talk about, there is so much more going on than what is in this brief description. This is an adult Roman-inspired political fantasy, and I was, like, looking at something yesterday, and this popped up unrelated, and so I went and got the e-galley, and I was like, well, I'll look at that soon, and then this morning I was like, what should I start next? And then I was like, oh, I can't stop reading this. So it is about the hierarchy. It's the Catanan Republic. Three centuries ago, the great cataclysm came to these lands, and the world was ruined, and most everyone died, and from the ashes rose the hierarchy. The hierarchy is a pyramid! And it's not like a delicious food pyramid. And it's like the most <laughs> it's like the most evil pyramid scheme that you can have. And in this land, there are eight levels of people. And the people on the bottom, the Octavi, have to cede half their will to the Septimus above them. 
And I'll explain what that means in a second. Like, every Septimus gets half the will of eight Octavi people. And that will gets them smarts, makes them stronger. And then the Septimus, who are, like, the seventh level, they must give half their will to a Sextus. And so they're really getting, like, the will of 56 people. They, they do the math here. I don't know how it works. And so on and so forth. So that the person at the very top gets the will of 40,320 people. So now the will is literally the life being drained from you and used to enrich the rich and powerful. Like, they use it to make them smarter and sort of, like, you, you can't fight people who are above you on this pyramid. Like, there's no way. And there's also a thing where if you are a prisoner, you are put on a sapper for the duration of your sentence and you continuously feed your will to the powerful. So this is where we meet our protagonist, Vistelemus. He is 17. He is a guard at the prison. He is an orphan. And so he is at the bottom of the pyramid. Every citizen in his city must seed their will. They take you to a column, which kickstarts it. Basically, like you touch this column, it starts this process that now you are always able to seed your will, teaches you how to do it. But Vis refuses. And the woman who runs the orphanage beats him because he won't do it because it could bring her... She could get some of his will for herself. Like, she's very selfish and a horrible, awful, predatory person. But he refuses. But also, Vis is not who he says he is. He lied about where he comes from. He is indeed an orphan, but he's not who he says he is. Um, He's also secretly involved in a, like, Roman fight club at night to get money because the woman who runs the orphanage steals his prison wages. And so he needs secret money because he wants to either bring the hierarchy down or find a place where they can't touch him. Like he's going to like take a boat and go away and, and they won't be able to reach him because the hierarchy killed his family and he wants nothing to do with them or their rules or their will sucking ways. Um, and he's pretty miserable. You know, he's lost his family. He's bullied by the kids at the orphanage because they say he's too old to get adopted. Uh, he's beaten by the owner. And then one day, a stranger who is high up on the pyramid takes an interest in him and adopts him. And nobody can believe it, but it's because the stranger has plans for him. He wants him to infiltrate the academy. Now, there are three sections of the hierarchy, the military, the governance, and the religion. None of them have anything to do with the other. And none of them fully trusts the other. And so religion runs the academy. It trains young people to be leaders and is the only place where seeding your will is forbidden. Like, no one can do it. No one can take it. If it happens, you get kicked out. And the man who runs it has a dark past. The people around him die mysteriously. Uh, Some of his classmates died who were challenging him for being head of the class. And now he's working at the academy and the head of the academy dies, supposedly of natural causes. And now he's in charge. And now people who were in his class when he was at the academy have started disappearing, being put in prison, and so this mysterious stranger wants Beast to find out the headmaster's secret. He also says uh, he will totally know that you're there to spy on him, but he can't do anything about it because drawing attention to himself would be bad. But also you'll probably get caught and die. So good luck. It's kind of like Gladiator meets Sabbath here. Mm. It's set in ancient Rome and like everything is made of stone and marble. But like everything is also run by the will of of these people, which is, like, magic. So, like, crafts made of giant pieces of stone fly, like, giant stone pyramids, like, fly through the sky. Doors open, like, doors at the grocery store. (sighs) And, like, they're all too heavy to do this. You just lay down on this slab of marble at the prison, and it sucks the will of you and sends it out into the ether. 
And like those things don't happen, but you just go with it because it's fun. It's it's really great. I'm told it's a lot like Red Rising, but I haven't read oh, that yeah. series, so I can neither confirm nor deny. But mm. I'm loving it. I did not realize that a violent political fantasy with amazing world building was what I wanted, but here we are. <laughs> this is only book one. It's 700 pages and it's only book one. <laughs> so I hope it resolves somehow, but I can't promise that it will because I haven't finished it. And from what I have read so far, I do want to give content warnings for violence, gore, trauma, abuse, imprisonment, loss of a loved one. And I want to point out the orphanage owner is predatory towards him. This is The Will of the Many by James Islington. That is a whole lot going on. Yeah. That, that was a whole book. I mean, I've read 200 something pages. That's like <laughs> that a whole a, novel. That's a novella right there. Yeah. And he's just gotten to the school, basically. Wow. <laughs> Uh, well, in a very different uh, <laughs> realm of things, my next pick is historical fiction. It is The Lost Journals of Sacagawea by Deborah Magpie Earling. This is, I mean, the blurb on the you know back jacket says devastatingly beautiful, and that is correct. This is a devastating book. It is an amazing read. I was just completely blown away by the writing style that Earling employs. It is it is historical fiction, right? And Earling is telling the story of Sacagawea from a deeply, deeply different perspective than like anything that we would have learned in school. The narratives around Sacagawea are very like Western colonial exploring the frontier like she was this guide and she's a hero because she guided Lewis and Clark around and you know it's like that perspective is just completely shredded and torn apart and upended by this stunner of a novel and like down to like I was saying the language that Earling is using like it rejects the conventions of Western literature in such a powerful way. Oh, my goodness. I'm just obsessed with this book. It was a rough read, though. I'm going to let you know that content warnings, I mean, just so many. Um, Sacagawea experiences enslavement, sexual assault and rape, um, all kinds of violence and other difficulties from both white colonizers and other Native characters. And it is it traces her from, you know, her very young age among her people who are the Lemmy Shoshone and, you know, getting attacked and kidnapped by another tribe, getting uh, ending up in a settlement that has both other Native inhabitants and white inhabitants. She's sold to a French Canadian tracker. She experiences so much trauma and harm and never loses the will to survive and has learned uh, various languages, has a gift for languages. And this is how she survives, is making herself useful until she can, you know, reclaim her own story, which is how this book ends. And it is, I... I was I was lost in it. I was I could not put it down. I felt like my brain was being rearranged on the inside in really important ways. And Sacagawea is just brought to life in this book. In I just, I just don't even know how to talk about it clearly. Like I'm struggling to make words because it is so powerful and it's so well done and it is a difficult read, but it is one thousand percent. Worth it. I feel like this book should be taught in colleges. Quite frankly, this needs to be taught in schools. Um, I also think it should be taught in writing classes. There's so much here 
and people more eloquent than me have reviewed and talked about it. So I'm just here to like, you know, thrust it at you and be like, read this book. Just read it. Just read it. Everybody needs to read it. That's my pitch. Just read it. Just read it. I mean, gird yourself, you know, be in the right headspace for it. But oh, read it. It's so, so, so good. So again, that is The Lost Journals of Sacagawea by Deborah Magpie Earling. Latin, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that you didn't like that book. <laughs> it's so good, Liberty. It's so good. <laughs> I'll have to read it soon. Uh, so I, I have a question. You said that it rearranged your brain on yes. the inside. I was wondering what it would look like if your brain was rearranged on the outside. Well, let's hope we never find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Those are books that we have read and obviously loved, even if we haven't finished one of them. <coughs> <laughs> And now we are going to talk about more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we're excited about but haven't necessarily read. I am really looking forward to The Late Americans by Brandon Taylor. He is the author of the Booker-nominated novel Real Life and the story collection Filthy Animals. This one is about a group of friends and lovers in Iowa City in a year of self-discovery. They're trying out new things. They're hanging out with new people. But they're also four very close friends, and they kind of think, you know, they're the heroes of their story, and everyone else in their lives is a side character. And then they head to a cabin for one last vacation together, uh, and it has serious, life-changing consequences. It sounds like it is about how the search for ourselves can sometimes hurt those around us, and sometimes we make choices that we can't come back from. So I'm very excited to get my hands on this and read it. Also, like, he's just, like, the most delightful Twitter presence, like, when I can tolerate looking at Twitter now. Uh, and he has the most amazing sweater collection. Like, I've watched him on, like, the Riverhead variety shows, and he always talks about his sweaters. So that's a reason to read a book, you know, because somebody has a sweater. 100%. So this, absolutely, he's great. This is The Late Americans by Brandon Taylor. And before Jen tells us about her next pick, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international best-selling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tom and series from Chloe Walsh. So Tom and's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsey Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. 
Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So the Boys of Tommen series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon worthy TikTok books, and angsty tearjerkers. Taming Seven is published today and it's the fifth book in the series. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. All right, go ahead. Yes. So I love an anthology, as anybody who has heard from me before knows. I'm obsessed with them. I edit them and my free time, quote unquote free time. Um, And so I could not pass up a chance to boost Magic Has No Borders. It is edited by Sona Karapotra and Samira Ahmed and has an amazing, amazing contributor lineup. Obviously, I know Preeti Chibber very well, but there's lots of other people in here, too, that I have read and loved, including Sangu Mandana. There's Swati Tirdala. Like, there's just so many great South Asian writers, diaspora writers. And side note, this is great for AAPHI month, uh, which we are in. So if you wanted to pick up a book that includes, you know, Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage, this would be a good one. It's uh, magic. Obviously, they're magic stories, right? Because it says in the title, magic has no borders. And it is fantasy and sci-fi for teens. I love a YA collection. I love an adult collection. Like, I love all anthology collections. I'm just excited. There's star-crossed lover stories. There's a girl fighting in, like, an ancient evil. We got a warrior rebelling against destiny. All kinds of cool things. I'm so excited for my copy to arrive, especially because... This cover, y'all, go look at it. It is beautiful. It's so vibrant. I love all of the different, like, notes of illustrations that I'm sure correspond to stories inside. It just looks great, and I trust this editing team a lot. And I'm really, 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 really excited to read it, in case you couldn't tell. So that, again, is Magic Has No Borders, edited by Samira Ahmed and Sona Karapotra. All right. My other pick for today is The Tumbling Girl, The Variety Palace Mystery by Bridget Walsh. I saw this compared to Sarah Waters, who I know and love and wears our new book and have her tattooed on my arm. So, of course, I had to request it. I haven't read it yet, but I might read it this weekend for the newsletter. Also, the quote at the top of this says, It's a wry, warm, and proper rib-tickling slice of dirty Victorian gothic. Julia Crouch, the author of The Daughter, said that. And I was like, well, doubly excited for this book now. It's a Victorian London mystery about a woman named Minnie Ward. She is a scriptwriter for the Variety Palace Music Hall. And she hires private detective Albert Easterbrook to help her find out who murdered her best friend. Their investigation will have them rubbing elbows with the rich and famous and crawling through London's seedy underbelly because there's always a seedy underbelly in London. (laughs) Can they find the killer before the killer finds them? This has lots of rave reviews, lots of stars. It's tagged as a serial killer thriller, so I'm going to guess more than one person is going to die. Otherwise, somebody was really irresponsible with that label. You can't just be slapping that on things if (laughs) if it's not a serial killer. So this is The Tumbling Girl 
Variety Palace Mysteries by Bridget Walsh. Awesome. Uh, my other book is another nonfiction. It is one I am about halfway through right now. It's Bold Move, A Three-Step Plan to Transform Anxiety into Power by Dr. Luana Marquez. I don't feel like I need to explain why I would have picked this up. Like, that title is obviously <laughs> very compelling to those of us who deal with anxiety. And I always love to see a new voice in like self-help slash brain training books. So I was super excited to learn about Dr. Marquez. And what I've read so far is very pragmatic and like, I want to say plain language. Like Marquez is a psychotherapist and she has dealt with her own challenges. She grew up in Brazil, moved to America, like, and says, you know, nobody would think that I have anxiety because of the way that I move through the world, but I absolutely had to deal with my own struggles as well as, you know, I've helped other my clients and patients to deal with their struggles with anxiety. And so she's coming from a place of like personal and professional experience. And this is very like CBT based, if that's something that you know about, cognitive behavioral therapy based. And it's very, like I was saying, very practical, very plain language. I, I think Marquez really wants this to be accessible to people, whether or not they are familiar with therapeutic principles. Like those of us who have been in therapy, a lot of this will be very familiar. But if you haven't, this is absolutely still for you. Like she wants to make it clear and obvious. She uses case studies and all kinds of other ways to like practical everyday situations to illustrate the principles that she's talking about. And there's like little exercises, which I also love in a book. So this is one you might want to get a physical copy of so you can like make notes and, you know, follow along. Or you could just, you know, write it on paper at home if you had a library book or an ebook. But I'm really excited to keep moving through it. I think um, I will take all the tools I can get personally. Uh, and I thought others might feel the same way. So again, that is Bold Move, a three-step plan to transform anxiety into power by Dr. Luana Marquez. All right. So now it's time for the paperback round. Here are some of today's releases that were hardcovers, now in paperback, and also a paperback original. Starting with The City Inside by Samit Basu. Love that book. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, there, no, that's okay. That's great. I haven't read it yet, but it's about a reality controller who handles the online presence of a South Asian superstar who also happens to be her ex, and she ends up mixed up in a dangerous conspiracy. Mm-hmm. All the Lovers in the Night by Mieko Kawakami, translated by Sam Bat and David Boyd. Kawakami is the author of Heaven, as well as Breasts and Eggs. This was a finalist for the 2022 National Book Critics Circle Award for Fiction about a freelance copy editor who decides she wants to change her life, but when those changes happen, maybe she's not going to like them. Haven by Emma Donahue. Donahue is the author of Room and The Wonder, also both novels that have been made into movies that I have not seen. This is historical fiction about three men who decide to sail to an island they have heard about using their faith to guide them. Sleepwalk by Dan Sean, one of my favorite books of last year, but an off-the-grid mercenary who does whatever he's asked, no questions. He gets a call from a woman one day claiming to be his daughter he didn't know existed. She says she needs his help. However, she might be in trouble with the very people who employ him. It's a wacky, twisted road trip crime novel, and I love Dan Sean. Things We Do in the Dark by Jennifer Hillier. 
author of Little Secrets and Jar of Hearts. This one is about a woman who is found at the scene of her wealthy husband's murder, holding the weapon and covered in his blood, but swears that she didn't do it. She tries to prove her innocence, but has a, a secret hidden past that could come to light and seal her fate. City of Orange by David Yoon, which I think I talked about on the podcast when it came out. Uh, this is about a man, an unnamed man, who wakes up. He doesn't know who he is or where he is. He just knows that a terrible apocalypse has happened, and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do as he pieces together bits of his past. And today in paperback originals is a book that's really fun to say, Mrs. Nash's Ashes by <laughs> Sarah Adler, about a woman named Millicent who's elderly best friend dies and she promises her she will go on a road trip to reunite her best friend's ashes with a woman who her friend loved 80 years ago. Shenanigans and romance will ensue. So those are some of today's paperback releases. Jen, what are you going to read next? So my library hold literally just came in for The Oracle Code by Marika Nykamp, illustrated by Manuel Praetano. I'm excited about this. I am like slightly more of a Marvel girl than a DC girl when it comes to comics just because I don't know I I'm vaguely annoyed as an adult by a lot of the DC heroes (laughs) although I loved Batman growing up and that is why I put this one on hold at the library because Barbara Gordon is Oracle in the DC universe and I have always been fascinated by her and I have not ever read like a comic oriented around her. And so when I uh, saw that this was coming out, I was like, oh, I will fix this problem. I will now read an Oracle book. And Nykamp is, you know, an amazing author um, who has really like written fantastic books. So I trusted her to guide me into this character that I like know very little about. And Barbara Gordon, uh, she's uh, this is teen. This is why I am pretty sure. But so Barbara Gordon is uh, she's shot and the gunshot leaves her paralyzed below the waist. So she is at a rehabilitation center called the Arkham Center for Independence. But as we know, like anything that happens in Arkham is like bad, probably bad. <laughs> bad. Um, so as she adjusts, you know, to using a wheelchair and figuring out her new normal, There's weird sounds at night. Patients are going missing. Like, is it trauma? Is something actually happening? And so I am very excited to dive into this. I really dig the art style um, that I've seen, like, you know, online, just the bits and pieces that I've seen. So I'm excited to see more of Praetano's art and, yeah, like, get into a character that I'm vaguely aware of but don't know that much about. So, again, that's The Oracle Code by Marika Nykamp, illustrated by Manuel Praetano. All right. I am presently reading Starkweather, The Untold Story of the Killing Spree That Changed America by Harry and McLean, which comes out on November 28th because I'm kicking off my Disturbing Girl Summer. And <laughs> it's so fascinating. I mean, I talked about it on all the backlist last week, so I won't go on and on about it. But, like, you know, Charles Starkweather and his girlfriend Carol were the basis for Mickey and Mallory from Natural Born Killers, which was a movie that I watched way too much when I was young. Mm. And, you know, it sort of changed America just like the In Cold Blood killings. But I I also just got a copy of A Middle Grade Mystery, which is like my catnip this year. I just love middle grade mysteries. It's called The Winterton Deception, Final Word, by Janet Sumner Johnson, which comes out on October 24th. It is being billed as Knives Out meets The Inheritance Games meets The Westing Game. Now, The Westing Game is my comp crib tonight. 
And also, everything is being compared to Knives Out now. Like, mm-hmm. everything. Like, mm-hmm. like they might retroactively go back and start comparing things. Like, Pat the, <laughs> the Bunny, it's Knives Out meets the Five Senses. <laughs> Moby Dick, it's Knives Out meets a whale. Like, everything yeah. is Knives Out right now. Like, it has replaced Gone Girl in, like, <laughs> That's right. the blurbing language. And uh, But, yeah, I love a, a middle-grade mystery, uh, so I'm very excited about this one. So, that is it for us today. Jen, thank you for, for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you for talking about First Edition, which you can subscribe to on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. You can hear about Erica who tried to buy a mom for a dollar. <laughs> thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Tell us about your area code, but make sure you do it way in advance. Uh, you can find us online. Jen, where do you hang out? I am on Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, and I'm back on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. All right. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcast and leave a rating or review or have your cat do it. <laughs> it helps other book lovers to find us and we appreciate it so, so much. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, I need to go cry about the Celtics game last night. You can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading.